to the Retail Transformation Show with me, Oliver Banks. This is your weekly podcast, delivering you the insight, ideas, and inspiration to successfully change and transform in our ever-evolving world of retail. Enjoy listening. Hi, welcome to the Retail Transformation Show. My name is Oliver Banks. I'm your host. I'm a retail transformation specialist, a coach and a consultant, and I help retailers to define their ideal or future operating model and deliver the change and transformation to put them into place, helping drive profitability and relevance. Thanks for tuning in. This one is episode 181, number 181. Now, you know that the retail market is continuing to evolve. And with that, we continually see new business models emerging, new ways of providing the product, the sale to the customer. And what's really exciting is that many of these new business models are actually largely driven by sustainability or they have a major sustainability boost to them. Now, I'm thinking particularly in terms of environmental sustainability, but there are other aspects in terms of social sustainability and even financial sustainability too. Now, I think the whole drive to particularly environmental sustainability will have huge impacts to many different aspects of retail. I've said it before, and I'm sure I will say it again. Retail, in many ways, is fundamentally unsustainable. The retail model succeeds when more stuff is sold. And when more stuff is sold, it uses up more resources from the world. So I think we'll start to see more and more impacts to pricing and promotions with things like buy one, get one free or bundling deals declining in favour of everyday low prices. It's going to become important to not oversell products to the customer to make more money and ultimately know that you're selling an unwanted level of resources just because the customer loves a bargain. And of course, we'll continue to see more recycling, more environmentally friendly materials and many other aspects as well. But in today's episode, I wanted to explore six different business models that are becoming increasingly popular and increasingly important and all have a sustainability angle, which is great as well. So those six business models are, in no particular order, but it is the running order for today, resale, repair, refurbishment or remanufacture, repeat purchases or subscriptions, rentals and digital products. Together, we're going to explore each model. We're going to look at some examples and we're going to highlight some of the operating model concerns and challenges and risks that you will need to face into on the way. And by the way, I would love to hear from you after listening to this episode. Which of these new business models excites you most? Do feel free to reach out either on LinkedIn, I'm Oliver Banks, message me, or send me an email. I'm on oliver.banks at obandco.uk. And let me know which one of these new business models excites you most and which would you like to learn more about? It could help define a future episode, perhaps. Now, you'll find that contact information 
on the show notes page today at obandco.uk slash 181. That's www.obandco.uk slash 181. So let's jump in then. And we're starting with resale. Now, resale's great because it instantly drives the circular economy. It takes that completed, used and now unwanted product and feeds it back to an earlier point in the whole ownership cycle, but for someone else. Ultimately, it stops unwanted products, but still usable products, finding their way into the bin, into the trash, into the world of waste. And this resale market is growing rapidly. Depop are perhaps the most notable company doing this, but more and more retailers are getting in on the action, helping find a second life for products. But what's interesting is that this particular new business model has actually been happening for a long time, whether it be through charity shops or car boot sales or garage sales or yard sales or even eBay, right? But for me, the key transformation in this resale business model is that the shift is moving away from consumer to consumer or C to C, shall we say, and it's changing to have a business as an intermediary. So it becomes not C to C, but C to B to C, right? That is a fundamental shift that is going to help the resale market scale and become more consistent. But to realize this, there are a number of different operating model challenges to face into. Firstly, microsourcing. Finding products takes a huge amount more effort on a one-by-one level than a bulk sourcing model. As a retail business, you need stock to sell. And if you are doing resale, you need to acquire or find that stock from somewhere. You can't buy it in bulk from a factory. You need to find it one by one, and that's a huge amount more work. And yes, some of that can be automated, but not all of it, not by a long shot. And with that microsourcing aspect, there comes other challenges as well. You'll need to manage a product catalogue where your stock holding is only ever going to be a maximum of one item. There's still the same amount of work in terms of setting up that product, adding imagery, sizing, specs, or whatever else is relevant. And ultimately, you also need to prove the integrity of that given product as well. So grading is also going to be important, particularly as different people have different quality perceptions. The term like new means very different things to different people. And if you've ever bought stuff from eBay, I'm sure you'll have experienced that as well. And then the other big operating model challenge as we start to see the shift of resale to consumer to business to consumer is around the supply chain. Because it's not like a classic retail supply chain where you can have a central hub and send a product out to stores or send it out to customers. But instead, you now need to have a physical movement to get the product into that central hub in the first place. Or you have to have a network style supply chain that can distribute anything from anywhere to anywhere at any time. And that is a very different supply chain model than perhaps you have set up already. 
especially if you are trying to centralize and add more consistency into that resale offering rather than just having a, an eBay type consumer to consumer transaction and relationship. So that is resale, our first new business model. Let's move on to the second one, repair. Making the most of a produced product and the resource investments made into that in terms of materials. And again, it's something that more and more companies are getting into. I like the example of Timpsons here in the UK. With lots of very small units in convenient locations for customers, Timpsons are regularly recurring products like shoes and watches and tech gadgets now. But again, it's interesting that repair was something that we used to do a huge amount of as a society a few decades ago, but also hundreds and even thousands of years ago as well. And many of these classic roles and jobs have gone by the wayside. The numbers have declined massively. I'm thinking of jobs like cobblers, tailors, seamstresses, clockwinders, blacksmiths, carpenters, cabinet makers, and all sorts of different jobs where people used to make a living by repairing products and extending the life of the resources that have been invested by the world. But again, there are some operating model challenges to get into for this repair market. Firstly, there is a huge variability of the challenge, the repair in front of you. And therefore, your repairer needs to have a wide range of skills to be adaptable to problem solving first and foremost. A product comes in for repair. It could be a number of different products or even different brands. And then each unique product has a number of different failure modes that you need to understand and you need to be able to root cause and think, how am I going to fix this particular item? And with that, you then need to have a whole range of spare parts which is gonna mean a big stock holding at a relevant and convenient location, just in case that one particular product needs that one particular spare part. And to get on top of this, you're gonna to need to have great understanding of your product reliability and failure modes and lots of data to help you understand what sort of stock volumes of spares you're gonna need where and when. Your product design needs to change to follow new principles for design for repair that allows those commonly failing parts to be removed easily and for those spare parts to be fitted in their place. In my history, I used to be an engineer designing photocopiers and I loved this whole design for repair aspect because different parts can be intentionally removed and replaced easily but you need to know where those failure modes are going to happen and when they're going to happen. And even you can be more predictive, making the repair before the product breaks. And that's gonna, of course, be particularly important for some products compared to others. Another operating model challenge when it comes to repair is around productivity. Doing a one-off manufacturing type task is hugely unproductive compared to doing it in a factory, in a batch or mass manufacturer situation. And then also you've got the travel time and effort to get the product and the specialist repairer and perhaps the spare part in the same place at the same time. 
And then you've got to get the product back to the customer or the specialist back to wherever they came from. And alongside that supply chain to get the spare part in the right place first time, you also need a reverse logistics loop to get the broken part back to be recycled or remanufactured or repaired itself. And all of these different operating model challenges make it very financially challenging to operate a repair business or service or proposition. And that's ultimately how we've got to the situation that we're in today, where repair is pretty rare. It's just cheaper to replace things with a brand new one. And that has to change. Our next business model to dive into is refurbishment or remanufacture. Now, in a way, this is a blend of resale and repair. It's taking the repair element and making it like new, as well as the resale element that says, let's take that unwanted product and put it into a new customer's hands. So it is a blend of resale and repair. Some examples that we see right now are particularly around mobile phones where perhaps you have an old phone with a cracked screen that you could trade in for a new device. But that old device then goes off to be repaired and refurbished, the screen replaced, maybe cleaning, replacing other parts and making it like new before packaging it all up and offering it back out to a new customer as a new sale and starting a new product life cycle. And more companies are getting into this now as well. We've seen H&M a couple of years ago now announce their remanufacturing in store through a machine called Loop, with three O's that is. And Screwfix are increasing the amount of refurbished power tools that they are taking in, repairing and reselling. So it's great to see this remanufacture and refurbishment happening. However, as you can guess, there are operating model challenges on this one as well. And being a blend of both resale and repair means, unfortunately, it brings the operating model challenges from those two elements together. You're going to be needing to think about the input material quality. Is it possible to remanufacture this or is it going to be a write off? You've got the fun of spares and replacement parts still, but it does offer a new opportunity as well in terms of customers that aren't willing to buy your product full price. But if you're offering a refurbished product at a lower price point, maybe that opens the door to a new range of customers. Tech gadgets and in particular mobile phones are the perfect example of that happening. But profitability continues to remain a challenge to face into as you need all of that additional activity to source and reclaim the broken parts. And then, of course, you need to bring them in, repair them and get them back out to customers again. The next business model to dive into is around repeat purchases or subscriptions. But we're going with the RE to keep with the framework. <laughs> now, this is all about automating the purchase and supply of products that people need to buy often, but it's just not very fun or enjoyable to buy. So this is a product that is essential but boring. Maybe it's toilet rolls, maybe it's milk, maybe it's dog food, maybe it's socks. A huge number of different options, and it's gonna of course be different for different people, but all could be provided under a subscription model. You set your purchase up once with a supplier 
a company that you like, hopefully, as a customer. And then that repeat purchase happens time and time and time again. Now, this makes it super easy for the customer and great for the retailer as well, who gets much more predictability in terms of the supply and sales, almost a guaranteed income, right? Amazon are perhaps the company that are leading this the most. They are adding more and more ranges into their subscription model, offering customers a small discount for deciding to go down that avenue for things like batteries or food items or toothpaste or stationery or many other different types of products. Now, what's great about this is that it makes the retail offering very sticky for a consumer. Once someone has subscribed, they're much less likely to suddenly disappear off to a competitor because it requires the customer to use energy to cancel that subscription. However easy you make it, a customer must use energy, take action, right? It needs an intentional decision not to buy rather than in a classic retail model where you have to have an intentional decision and expending energy to go and buy it. Now, of course, the services industry has worked on this model for some time, whether it be around phone contracts or internet services or even utilities and insurances. So that's a good place to think about different models as well. But even in retail, we've done this particular model many times before as well. Think of having your milk or newspapers delivered home on a daily basis. This repeat purchase, this subscription model is new, but also not new, right? But of course, it does bring its own operating model challenges to our current world as well. First up, we'll need to think about churn. How many of your subscribed customers are disappearing on a weekly or monthly or any time period? Now, this is a new metric, a new consideration. Of course, the higher your churn, the more customers you need to acquire to keep that same revenue coming in. And that therefore changes the whole dynamic of your customer acquisition costs and your lifetime value. Because every customer that walks away is suddenly worth quite a lot more than that unknown customer that you don't really fully understand. So it's important to be able to detect customer dissatisfaction before it gets to that pain point, that annoyance where someone decides, I am going to spend the energy and I am going to cancel that subscription. How are you going to find out if that customer is dissatisfied? Another operating model challenge is that in a world where more and more subscriptions are happening, it's going to become more difficult to win new customers away from your competitors because you have got to have a proposition, an offering that is so good that they are willing to spend that energy or you have to wait for your competitor to mess up so that they are annoyed. But ultimately, something needs to happen to get someone to, like I say, make an intentional decision not to buy and to find a new company to make a deal with. And then the other operating model challenge is that, as I say, a lost customer is a much bigger deal in terms of that future revenue. However, in terms of things like your supply chain, you do get a huge amount more predictability because you know just how many units you're going to be shifting through in the next one or two or even six months through your warehouses or your, your distribution centers or even your stores, right? Let's move on to our fifth new business model rental. Now, this is almost like the opposite to subscription. 
it's not selling a load of products to a customer over a long period of time, but instead you are only selling an item to a customer for a short amount of time and for less money. Rent the Runway is the obvious provider of rental at the moment, but there are other options as well. I'm thinking things like machinery hire in the building trade, which is a fairly standard way of operating rental for plant machinery. And it's all based on borrowing an item and then returning it after a relatively short amount of time compared to the lifespan of the product. It's a nice, easy investment for a customer because it's cheaper than buying full price. And from a retailer's perspective, it's great because you get to sell that same item many times over. But of course, like the other new business models, we've done this one before as well. Blockbuster, in more recent memories, is a great example where we used to rent videos. Remember that? (laughs) But of course, Netflix and others have now taken that digital rental market and made it possible to overcome that Blockbuster operating model that is based on number of stock items. So let's dive into some of those operating model challenges that a rental model does present. First and foremost, staying with the stock, turnaround and availability is going to be important. You need statistics to be able to forecast when something is going to be back in stock. If you have poor availability of rental products, it's just the same as having poor availability of products to purchase. Customers will go elsewhere. So what's the stock holding that you're going to want and need? And is that the same over time? And how does it vary across different locations? High fashion items may be a particular challenge. Particularly, I'm thinking in the clothing market, where some items may have a very short shelf life or a particular season that they're going to be want to sold in. And once that season's gone by, are you going to put that product into long-term storage until the next year? Or is it something that you're going to need to write off because the fashion will have passed you by? Lifetime uses per item becomes a key metric. And you're going to need to think, how are you going to optimize this on an ongoing basis? What's your damage rate? What's your write-off rate? How many customers don't return items? And what's your policy and your operating model to chase that up? Again, depending on what your product is, it's going to have a very different look and feel that. You'll also need to think about what sort of cleaning or reset operations are going to be needed between customers. I found it fascinating when I discovered that Rent the Runway have grown to be the biggest dry clothing operator in the world. That's phenomenal. And there you can see that reset operation between sales, between customers, needs to be a really important part of your operating model. And therefore, what is it that you need to do to get ready to resell? So that's rental. Our next business model to dive into is digital products. Maybe this is about wearing your latest Gucci trainers into the world of Roblox. Or maybe you need to buy a new spaceship. Or perhaps it's a whole new skin for your personal transformation. Digital products present us with perhaps the ultimate environmental sustainability solution. It requires less resources, even no resources, just the electronic power that it takes to present them to a screen. And as the NFT, the non-fungible token movement develops, this market is going to grow exponentially. You know, we've just had the Metaverse Fashion Week, the very first one. And I think we'll see many more different digital products coming into the marketplace. And ultimately, compared to 
all of the other new business models that we have spoken about in this episode so far, this is perhaps the most genuine new business model because we've never had the technology to sell something that doesn't exist in a physical form, right? But with that, it also presents us with the biggest operating model challenges as well because it's almost guaranteed that you have no operating model in place right now for selling digital products. You have no processes, no metrics, no performance measures. And this all presents a really fundamental shift in your business and your setup. It affects so many different parts of your operating model and across all of your different business units as well, whether it be around product design or commercial and buying or supply chain and distribution or customer service. And it really puts the IT team even more in a central position. So it's likely that you just don't have the resource in place right at the moment to think about how you're going to build up a digital product operating model. So that's going to be a major challenge as well. And of course, there are also going to be other challenges, not just operating model challenges, but even just general business or change challenges as well. Will your stakeholders get it? It can be a bit more difficult to understand the concept of digital products. So you've got to do a huge amount of engagement to get the business on board as well. So those are our six new business models. Like I say, five of them, I think we've seen in the marketplace for quite some time. And one of them is brand new. But nevertheless, all six of these are growing at a big rate. And I would love to know from you which one is most exciting. Which one would you love to know more about? As I mentioned earlier, message me on LinkedIn or send me an email, oliver.banks at obandco.uk. And now, just before we do wrap up, I do have some additional episodes for you to check out as well. Firstly, if you have listened to this episode and you are thinking, hmm, I'm not sure which one I should be focused on. Well, go and listen to episode 174 called What to Do When There is No Right Answer. Maybe that will give you a pointer as to which one is the best option for you. Also, you might enjoy episode 160 called Stores Versus Online, Which is Best? And again, you'll need to think about some of the similar thoughts from that episode as well. You might enjoy the session I had with Karen Bendel in episode 136 called Understanding the Circular Economy. Again, we've spoken about that sort of circularity aspect several times today. So I think that's a great partner episode there. And we've also spoken about the importance of data and modeling and forecasting. So why not check out episode 119, How to Do Predictive Modeling. So those are four additional episodes to check out right now. But do check out the rest of the archive as well, because there are, at the moment, 180 other great episodes and new episodes come out every single week. So head over to the show notes today at obandco.uk slash 181, where you can find out the links to all of those four episodes, as well as find my contact details to get in touch and remember to share which one you are most excited about and which ones you'd like to learn more about. And whilst you're on that show notes page, sign up for the Retail Transformation Briefing, my email newsletter to help you keep your finger firmly on the pulse of the ever-evolving world of retail with insights and headlines from around the world 
helping you to understand the trends as they happen. Sign up for free at obandco.uk slash 181. Thanks so much for tuning in. If you're new to the show, do hit subscribe in your favorite podcast app where you can enjoy new episodes, which, as I say, come out every single week. And I will look forward to joining you on another episode of the Retail Transformation Show very, very soon. Bye for now.